Space Corp. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Why you ignorant slut? Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to the Great Scott Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? You know, I always mess up the intro. <laughs> is it because I, I call it some, I say, Great Scott, the Office Podcast, or is it the Great Scott Office Podcast? I don't really know. Great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, so in my intro that I've written up here, I say, Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. But I don't know. My tongue always wants to say the great Scott, which doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Uh, anyways, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. So visit brokenjars.xyz for all of our amazing shows, including High Fantasy That's one and, of Dresden, mine. and Dresden Files. That's not one of mine. The document here that I have also, let me tell you, I'm having some file problems, man. Um, High Fantasy and Dresden are on the same line. Shouldn't be, but whatever. Yeah. It's fine. But I look at it, I'm like, high fantasy Dresden. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start this week's show, if that's okay with you, Jacob, to discuss just real quickly. Would Michael Scott murder someone? Uh, I don't think he would intentionally murder somebody. Mm. Has he probably gotten somebody killed because of how stupid he is? He probably. He right. probably has a body count, but... I don't know about I don't think he would just like straight up just like kill somebody. Like even Toby I don't think he'd kill. I think he would. Um so that one I don't know the name of the episode off the top of my head, but they're basically watching Glee at Gabe's apartment. And um Michael has that heartfelt moment with Aaron. And um toward the end of the episode he approaches Gabe and he says, If you hurt that girl I will kill you. And then he goes, not literally. And then he takes a beat and he says, but if you kill that girl, I will literally kill you and your whole family. Um, so that coupled with his eventual agreement with Dwight to burn Utica to the ground. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I, and I think his comments against Toby, I mean, that one about him having um, the, the two bullets – and then um, Hitler and Osama bin Laden or whatever. Yeah, he'd shoot Toby <laughs> twice. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think he'd do it. I think maybe he's not there emotionally yet, but I think it's in him. You know, he just needed something to wake it up. <laughs> so, so you're saying that given the right circumstances, he would just legit murder somebody? I do. I can't say. I mean, he's no uh, – what's that dude? Agent 47 or whatever. He's no hitman. You know, he's not – putting on disguises, but I do think in a fit of rage or passion and bash someone's face in with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so violent. Yeah. He's a crazy dude. All right. Anyways. Um, shorter episode this week. Yes. Uh, I have other things I need to attend to tonight. Um, and tomorrow I'm having jaw surgery, so I won't be able to talk. There you go. And uh, I'm moving this weekend, so this is the last episode of me in this apartment. 
So just a lot of going on and I got to pack. I actually haven't packed and I'm moving in three days. So packing is probably something I should get started on doing. Uh, I'm always so bad. Like so bad about it. Yeah. You know, I helped my girlfriend move last month and I remember being overly critical. I was like, you need boxes. You got to put everything away. Like when we're moving, we're moving. That's what we got to do. And I think I was like that because I was overcompensating knowing that when it came to me, I would be the worst at it. And here we are. And now I feel terrible that I've yelled at her and, uh, yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> I'm generally like the night before type person. The only difference was when we moved from our rental house to this house here, we started packing like six weeks in advance. Right. Right. That makes sense. I mean, it's, it's nice to have everything put away and like ready to go. The moving van's there. You got a system, but I feel it. I feel Saturday night, I'm going to be scrambling. I'm going to be finding a, a, a thing, and I'm like, fudge, what box this is going to? And, you know, all this kind of nonsense. Well, and it, the I worst mean, part is when you just, like, you don't realize that you've, uh, like, packed something. You're like, where is this thing? I don't right. know. That's right. Yeah, you're like, you're trying to go to bed the night before the truck comes, and you're like, oh, my God, where's my cell phone charger? Right, right. So who knows where. But we're not here to talk about moving. We're here to talk about the office. And today is the day that we hit one of the most talked about episodes in the history of The Office, Dinner Party. Season four, episode nine, maybe arguably the most well-known episode. Like everybody knows Dinner Party that's watched any of The Office. Right. Uh, For the longest time, I used to skip this episode when I was watching season four. Because it was so, it's so cringy and bad. But now it's like one of my favorite episodes. I love it. Yeah, when I was doing my watch through in between shows here, um, <clears throat> I was with my girlfriend and she was like, um, you know, we'll watch whatever episode you got to watch this week. And then I told her the first one was Dinner Party. She's like, let's let's skip that one for now. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, all right, that's fine. Yeah, but I'm with you. It's a pretty infamous episode. Um, it... Uh, it kind of brings us back a little bit to some of that season one awkwardness where the humor is based on how uncomfortable everybody feels. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, there's got a lot of uh, UK humorness to it. It's just dry and awkward and, um, and not to get too far away. We're trying to keep this tight, but you had brought to my attention this week um, that there was a subreddit for Scott's tots, Yes. <laughs> which is an episode I still refuse to watch. See, after I, I would say that Dinner Party is more cringy than Scott's Tots overall, but Scott's Tots has the most cringy moments. Hmm. But you know, this episode is interesting because you it opens up and they're in the office, and you know, Michael he's obviously made up this thing from corporate to get Jim and Pam to come over. Right. So he, you know, but that's pretty much all you see of everybody, anybody else besides Jim, Pam, Michael, Jan, Andy, Angela, and Dwight and his, you know, other person. So like babysitter. Yeah. Two thirds of the office you don't see. And it's almost the entire episode is in this one location there's no B storyline. There's no getting away from this awkwardness. Where in Scott's Tots, you know, you can kind of get away from it with the other storylines that are going on. And 
Yeah, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, this this episode, oh, I remember watching this for the first time and just, I was like, oh, my God, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, so as you said, Michael sets up this elaborate ruse to make sure that Jim and Pam's schedule is free so that he can invite them to dinner and they have no excuse to turn it down. Right. Do you think Andy and Angela were invited to the dinner prior? I was wondering that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I can't really tell if there's time lapse between him getting Jan jim and pam to come or if there if there isn't you know like i can't tell but it kind of seems like he had already invited them right so at the very least we know they were invited before jim but was it before or after the special assignment quote unquote it's not super clear right right and so i was kind of wondering if like they were in on it together or not yeah i feel like um angela wouldn't really stand for that she doesn't like being titillated, Jacob. She does not. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say, but that's something I, I did, did yeah. write down. And then, you know, poor Dwight, he gets left out. Not enough wine glasses. You not see. enough wine glasses, and he's not a part of a couple. Yeah. For now. So, um, yeah. So um, we follow Jim and Pam basically going to the dinner party. And I think generally it's from their perspective. I mean, sometimes we, you know, the show obviously tells the story from a lot of people's perspective, but I think really it's from the two of them's point of view because um, we follow them the most. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't even think anybody else gets a talking head at the dinner party. Uh, no, no. The only the only people who get a talking yeah, I could be wrong, but yeah, the only people who get a talking head are Jim and Pam. Yeah, they're like hiding in the bathroom or something when they do them, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so we get there. Michael and Jane have this whole babe thing going on where they're nicknaming each other and they're doing a tour of the house and uh, things yeah. that we see are that um, the well, one of the office the, the office room has been turned into an office for Jane. Right. And then that there was a spare room, which I'm trying to remember from the condo episode, but I forget. Um, but that was turned into a workspace for Jan. Right. That's yes, because yeah. his condo is three bedrooms. Because three if you think back to the condo episode, Carol says a lot of people rent out the third room. Right. Right. So, yeah. That, that makes sense. But the third room in this case is the workspace of Serenity by Jan, which is this presumably terrible smelling candle with papyrus font. <laughs> Um, it, yeah, because like it, Jim, Jim, like he's in the room. He like like tries to get out of it. He just like it looks like he's just being assaulted. Like his yeah. his, sense, his sense of smell is just being drop kicked by these candles. Yeah, it's I feel bad for him. And then he says he's like, oh, it smells like fire. Um, and, fire. Then, and then this is kind of the beginning of some really awkward bits between Michael and Jan that will eventually escalate by the end of the episode. But we got. Michael going James bonfire like 80 times in the background. Jan uh, smelling her candles uh, as a way to kind of get away. Then we take a trip to the bedroom where two things are revealed. One, Jan is still recording their intercourse. Presumably it's Jan. I'm pretty sure it's Jan still. One, uh, when season four came out on DVD, one, one of the box sets included 
the script for this episode. Uh-huh. And they actually toned down that scene quite a bit from my memory. Like there was, it was supposed to be more obvious and like awkward that the, the the sex camera was still there. Yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, so Jan hides that and you know tries to playfully discipline Michael. Right. We also find out that Michael is sleeping on the weird bench thing at the foot of the bed. Right. And this is something I kind of thought about because in the deposition episode uh they talk about how michael's journal was on her side of the bed and he doesn't like the lump yeah that's a good point uh but you know if you want to kind of take this as uh you know chronologically speaking because you know the office kind of goes along with the schedule it, you know the day it's aired is sort of the day it is you know it's because right so the deposition and dinner party are months five apart. five months apart yeah. november 15 to april 10 so you know maybe it has been a while and so some other things have happened yep um It'd also just be funny if there is a side of the bed for Michael, technically speaking, regardless if he sleeps on it or not. And Jan, you know, disregards, but there is like a, at the very least, like a, like a pity spot, you know? (laughs) But, uh, so, so then there's that. And then, um, we make our way downstairs where we see the, the pride and joy of the apartment, which is a plasma screen TV. This thing cost what? 250. Is that what he said? 200 bucks. 200 bucks. I mean, I'm trying to think. So I've bought a bunch of TVs for my office recently, and I bought like an 80-inch for, I don't know. I'm trying to think what it was. It was like 15 maybe, something like that, with some Costco nonsense. <clears throat> so I'm trying to extrapolate it, and the prices get pretty pretty astronomical after like 60 inches. But $200, like you could buy – I mean that TV's small. That TV's smaller than my computer monitor right now. Yeah, well, I was looking at – actually looking at TVs today. Uh, and I found like a 48 incher for 250. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, it's insane how like you can get like a 50 inch 4k for 500 bucks now, 600 bucks now. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's reflective of the time 2008. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or if Michael's just got ripped off a bit. (laughs) Yeah. It was very reflective of the time. That's fair. Then Andy and Angela show up and we find out that this whole babe thing is a rehearsed thing because Jane and Michael hop right back into it. And then we get into some party games, right? Well, first we got to talk about Michael's, uh, his uh, end table that he made that, oh. you know, it's either Nordic cherry or pine. And it's terrible two by fours. And this is where you, like, it comes out the gym is terrible with this kind of stuff. And this is the first time we see Jan getting all uppity with Pam about how, like, you know, Michael's, Michael says, like, oh, you know, if you ever need me, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just a phone call away or something like that. Right. And you see this just progression of, uh, like Jan getting more and more jealous and critical of Pam. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's another thing that just kind of runs through the course of the episode. Yeah, I mean, when does it start? Does it, when does, yeah, when does it start? Because uh, I feel like Jan's made comments to Pam prior to this, or does it not? Well, uh, there's Fun Run, where she's like, hey, I heard you were peeping That's on Michael, right. you know, he's That's mine. So there, there is that kind of, that kind of, what's the word, uh, dynamic going on for some mm-hmm. time. I mean, it's weird, and obviously we know as viewers that Pam would never go for Michael, right? Which makes which makes this particularly funny. But like Jan knows, just like people know the world is flat, Jan knows that Michael and Pam dated. Uh, which is nuts. Um, yeah, and so that some instances is um, Michael gives Pam his jacket. Right. Um, that's the big one, really. That kind of starts a kind of starts the breakdown in the evening, but we'll get there in a bit. Right. <clears throat> um, right. So then we get into games. There's some charades going on. Michael just does not get the rules at all. Uh, <laughs> um, Goes on a Caribbean cruise. <laughs> yeah. he goes, well, and, and Andy's terrible at it too. Yeah. Like he's trying to get to Joe Montana and he just goes completely around. Yeah, Joe Camel. And then, <clears throat> yeah, it's nuts. Um, and there's another great bit here too where when it's Michael's turn, he comes up and he does this clapping routine. He goes, my, 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 my turn. And um, Jim just has the straightest face. Looking off into the distance, everybody's talking around him. And he's just like zonked out. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right after this, he like he gets in there. He get, has this talking head where he's like, "Michael and Jan are playing their own game. Who can make their <laughs> guests feel the most awkward or something or uncomfortable?" And they're both winning. Uh, and similarly, in another talking head, Pam. We found out at this point that dinner is going to take like another three hours to be ready. Right. So this dinner party has to be at least three hours long. Then they eat. And then who knows? Right. So just kind of guessing because you don't actually see a clock. But so three hours. So Jan says three hours and Pam's like, oh, from like three hours ago at four. So we got to assume they're eating like 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at right. night. Right. And they've been drinking this whole time with no food. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, uh, inhibitions are low. Yes. Uh, um, and then, you know, so, so Jim's like, all right, I'm going to make a break for it. And he says, like, his apartment's flooded. And, like, he was just going to leave Pam. Yep. Like he was, it was so bad. He was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Pam, I love you, but it's every man for himself. Well, then Pam goes the other way instead of like, I mean, she totally turned coats on Jim. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. She's like, but you can't get another party. <laughs> yeah. You can always buy new stuff, but you can't buy a new party. Yeah. Which is her way of saying, if you leave me, I'm breaking breaking <laughs> yeah. up with you, you piece of shit. <laughs> uh, three seasons down the drain. <laughs> um, 
and all through this too, we we there's another fun little tidbit we find out, which is um, Jane's assistant Hunter, right. who's a musician. Yes, wrote this wonderful song about boning Jan. <laughs> right, and so the question is, did <clears throat> did Jan cheat on Michael with Hunter? I'm guessing the answer is yes. Well, let's see, because the negotiation episode happens before her boob job. Yes. Um, and that is when Hunter's revealed to be there. So what if during that break after women's appreciation, Jan does some funny business? I mean, of course, Jan's a terrible person, so maybe she cheated on Michael. I don't know. Right. Even though Michael specifically asked her not to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so you have that whole weird dynamic and it kind of continues on because we see Jan's cougarness, pedophilia, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because there's that bit with Dwight Jr., right? Yeah, in yeah. season nine. I mean, to the best of our knowledge, she never did it with anyone underage. So that's good. Jan never did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think she just had a thing for people who looked like they might have been underage. Right. Which I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still a, a whole thing in and of itself, but that's fine. All right. It's, it's, so we get to this fun section where they're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. And uh, it, we, he, and so Jan's like, hey, Mo, hey, you want to hear the story about how Michael ran through the the glass yeah. door they have like this is when things start going just off the rails where like yeah he's like oh she'll sue you she'll sue you he's like oh i'm the devil it just gets really awkward and really bad you know? yeah i know everybody's screaming they're both doing devil horns yeah tongues are being stuck out and angela's saying you shouldn't joke about that and jim is like like he's just got this look like oh my god i'm going yeah. to die someone yeah. just shoot me now um, and then we are, I don't know, maybe we're saved, maybe we're not, but um, no, wait. Well, and another thing, this is sort of a side <clears> note, <throat> but, the, you know, because during the season, um, Angela is pregnant, like the, the actress is pregnant. Angela Kinsley. Kinsley, Kinsley yes. Uh, so one of the fun things to do this season is see how they hide the belly. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, Angela's got her purse on her stomach. Then she's got a pillow over her. Then she's hiding behind a counter in this right. episode. Yeah. yeah. Like you just, you never, you basically only see her from like the boobs up the entire yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, you notice that in the kitchen where eventually Jan and Pam and Angela go to the girls trip. Yeah. Which is a terribly awkward thing where Jan finally flat out says like, you know, Michael hasn't changed that much since you guys dated, which is, you know, saying what we've all been assuming she felt. Pam adamantly denies that she has never wanted to, thought about, ever tried, yada, yada, dated well, Michael. The thing is, is like, Jan says, Mike, Michael told me some things. Right. What, what did Michael say to Jan? Like, did he just like make stuff up? Like, oh yeah, I totally boned Pam or something. Like, like how bad is this? <laughs> Well, so based on the deposition, I wonder if we can extrapolate it to a point where Michael obviously has trouble analyzing statuses of relationships, you know? Right. So 
I think in his diary, he's not super clear that he knows that he's not with Jan. But at the deposition, he has that realization. So I wonder if it's possible that awkward moments between him and Pam in his brain, he is like in his crazy murderous brain. He was like, oh, yeah, me and Pam are dating this week, you know. Right. And so there's and then Angela's just there like needling Pam. Yeah. Which she does She's the like, entire episode. It's like, oh, I see the way you look at, the, at him. And the, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> so and then the flip side, the guys go out to the garage. Yep. Where um, we see the uh, ab blaster mm-hmm. that we, he talks about in money with the plastic still on it. Like he's never used it once. Right. And he starts pumping them for money. Yeah. Basically trying to get them to be investors for Serenity by Jan. Andy buys in because he's a yes man. So do you think Andy he probably actually, has the money. Do you think, I think he, he actually gave, him the ca- gave her the cash? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. By the end of the episode, it's pretty clear that things are crazy. So, yeah, I mean, this is the last time we see um, Jan and Michael dating. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think uh, luckily everything derailed before Andy was able to write that check. Right. And, I mean, this is the last time we see her probably see her until a, Goodbye Toby. Goodbye Toby. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I think Andy was spared that. Yeah. Um, and then Dwight shows up. <laughs> he shows up. He's got two wine glasses, a bottle of wine. That are huge. Huge. He's ready to party. <laughs> and, um, and he has a cooler of his own dinner. Right. Which, like, So he's like the only one eating. Right. And, like his wine glass, I'm pretty sure, fits an entire bottle. Like, it could yeah. fit an entire 750 milliliter bottle of wine. Yeah. And let me just, um, so the lady who plays Dwight's babysitter is a woman named Beth Grant. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Keanu Reeves' filmography, but Beth Grant is a woman who is on the bus in speed, who tries to step off the bus and um, doesn't do so well. <clears throat> she. I also recently saw an episode of Golden Girls, where uh, she was already an old woman in Golden Girls. Um, it, but she's sixty-seven, which means she just has looked old for her whole life. Right. Because Golden Girls was what, twenty years ago? So More maybe. Speed. I mean, Speed's got to be that old too. I mean, yeah, Speed's like ninety-four. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I mean, she's old, but she's been in No Country for Old Men, Speed, Donnie Darko. She was in The Artist, Child's Play 2, Rain Man, Flatliners, Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, this lady, bad words. She's been in everything. Um, but I just think generally she just plays old people. Right. Uh, a role which she does great here. And we see her again in season nine. Yeah, Junior Sales something. Yeah, when, he's, when Dwight is hiring someone to take up Jim's slack. Yes, junior salesman. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, Dwight's there. Yeah. And so, Dwight, it, well, Michael and Jan get in a fight over Dwight. And yep. we get the, we learned that Michael's had three vasectomies. <laughs> and that is always what Michael, or it's always what Jan wants. And 
the, the, the step, snap, step, snap, step, snap. It's so good. And everyone is just like sit, staying there watching this, right. this train wreck. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's tough. At what point do you just like bail? You're like, F this, I'm out. Well, because the, the obviously if kids are an important part for the two people, you know, if they want or they don't want, right, when would you just no, relieve just, that relationship? Uh, I was just referring well, to like being the at the party. party. <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're you know, Jim, I mean Andy's obviously not gonna leave because he's a yes man. Right. But if you're Jim, like are you just like bailing like as soon as possible? Yeah, I mean uh See, it's hard. I mean, they have this unfair advantage of Michael being their boss. Right. So I think that's also why they feel so trapped because they can't be disrespectful by leaving. And obviously they have to come up with a fantastical thing and like his apartment's flooding. And even then he wasn't allowed to go. So, I mean, unless someone dies, like he's stuck. doesn't really have a say in the matter. Um, yeah. And then it ends on that really funny note where Jan's just like, uh, well, let's have a fucking kid. And then Michael's like, really? Because he's about to get his fourth vasectomy, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, no, I think he would have to get it reversed because I think he ended up with... He'd have to get it reversed. He'd right. have to get it reversed. So at some point, because we know Michael does eventually have kids, mm. he gets his vasectomy undone for the third time. That's right. At some point. It's great. <laughs> So we finally we finally have food on the table, finally. And yep. Michael leans in to <clears throat> Pam and says, "I can't prove it, but I think Jan is trying to poison me." Yep. So, hopefully, like I don't know why that how that came out, but it's pretty funny. Uh, and you just like everyone's like, "How how is this possible that Jan is trying to kill you?" And then I wonder if it's one of those like um what's that thing where people like give other people diseases like because it's like a mental illness? Oh, I forget what that's called. Yeah. But it was like in Sixth Sense, there's that one character who uh whose parent keeps poisoning them slowly so they continue to be sicker till they die. Right. But, you know, Jan's playing the slow game here, you know. <laughs> and then of course Pam gets a little worried, like, wouldn't she kill Michael's former lover? Yeah. <laughs> Um, then we see Michael um, dunk his whatever the heck they're cooking, brisket or some shiz, in his Asabuco? wine glass. Asabuco. That's it. Which I have uh, be- no idea what that is. Hopefully, this looks like a big old slab of meat to me. But Hopefully the people on the subreddit can tell us. Yeah. Uh, but he dunks, he eats. He's got soft teeth. You know, what are you going to do? But Jan, um, with, in a humongous social faux pas, points out this terrible, um, you know, handicap of Michael's. How could you? How could you? She's so cold. Um, and at that moment, Michael decides to take a stand. Right. He leaves the room. It's awkward and quiet, and Jim has an opportunity to speak with the babysitter. Um, we do learn that the relationship at this moment is no longer babysitter, obviously, but it's carnal. carnal we all know only. what that means. That's right. Purely carnal. Purely carnal. That's right. Purely carnal. <clears throat> yeah. So, so we know what that means. Um, but she doesn't know what email is or internet. So <laughs> Jim is, no, is not able to do any follow-up questions. Uh, Michael comes back in the room, and he has the ugliest, brightest neon sign ever. 
pulls down a piece of art, puts that baby up, plugs it in, lights it up, and that whole room is just neon blue. <laughs> the like, same I don't, Polly girl. I don't know how he would have lived in that apartment without Jane with that light on. It's so disruptive. Like, it just permeates the entirety of your existence in that condo. You, um, but it's lit you know, up. It being Michael, you know, he probably had it like, you know, he probably just had like a poker table in his. As his like dining room or something. His like dining that. room table, just waiting for the day that people come over and play cards that never yeah. came. Um, so to kind of center herself, Jan starts playing Hunter's music again. There's a, a slight argument about who is considered an artist. BFD, but, I'm a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, there's some innuendo about uh, who, who's who's first. <laughs> um, yeah, at that point, like the converse, like the argument just quits making sense. Right. Right. You know, and Jane. Do we have, do we have Michael's? That's what she said in our yeah. intro. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're hardly my first. That's what she said. <laughs> and then Jan just you know fastballs a Dundee right into the TV. And Michael loses it. Like, thank good. That's a $200 TV, babe. Yeah. He's like, good luck paying me back on your $0 salary a year. That was almost words, but you get it. <laughs> um, and what I love is the police, you know, some, someone calls the police. Right. And they know who Dwight is, yep. which I find hilarious. Because it's been a long time since he's been a sheriff, uh, uh, yeah. deputy sheriff, whatever. Well, it's weird, too. So, I mean, I don't understand police and that whole thing. But what the hell is the difference between a police department and a sheriff's department? Uh, well, sometimes sheriff, uh, like when I was in Oklahoma, there were city police and county sheriffs. Okay. Because, so, like, because he's a, he's a sheriff's deputy. Right. But I don't like, know how it is. is. I don't know how it is here in PA. It could just be a semantic thing. Right. I mean, because he looks like a Mountie, basically. Right. He's got the big old hat like a state trooper. Right. Um, but then these two fellows who show up look like regular boys in blue, so to speak. You know, they got the old cap on. So I don't know. Um, anyways, just thought it was interesting. But right. They know Dwight. He knows them. Um, Michael comes out, doesn't really understand what's happening, says that he'll take the blame for it. <laughs> um, Jade comes out. I mean, this is awkward. Not not to be – I mean, I've, I've seen this stuff in real life. Very awkward to begin with. So to have that done on TV as accurately as they did it, just way worse. Right. <laughs> just, just way worse. Um, so they suggest for Michael to stay with a friend. Jim can't, of course. His house is on fire. <laughs> Flooded. Flooded, right. <laughs> right. Um, so Dwight takes him in. I mean, Andy doesn't offer anything. I mean, honestly, Andy barely speaks in this episode aside from, like, the charades. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, this episode is really just for people for yeah. the most part. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so awkward because it's so, like, intimately set. Right. Yeah, everybody's sitting close. They're not talking about work stuff. Yeah, so it's just a lot more of a tight thing. But um, the episode ends with everybody kind of going their separate ways. So we got the babysitter taking the bus home. Right. Michael sleeping in Dwight's car. 
We got Angela and Andy finishing their date at an ice cream parlor where Andy playfully tries to take a bite out of Angela's ice cream, but she's having none of it, Jacob. (laughs) So she rolls down the window slowly, takes the ice cream cone outside the car and slams it forcefully against Andy's door. It's just a bitch move. Like, (laughs) come on, Angela. She doesn't play that game. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. At this point, she hasn't started her relationship with Dwight again yet, right? Not that we know of. Yeah. And we don't see it until... Goodbye, Toby, I believe. Goodbye, Toby, also, Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that a season? That's a season finale, right? Right. Yeah. So a lot lot comes out in Goodbye, Toby. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we see Jim and Pam. They're at a hot dog burger place, munching on some actual food because they did not get a chance to eat. And um, we find out that Jim stole the Hunter CD, which is called The Hunted. Yes, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, I love I love that seed. It's so funny. Yeah, it's great. Um, just a nice little Jim and Pam moment for sure. It's always nice to laugh at other people. Right. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's yeah. an episode. Yeah. And I feel like we blew through it. Like, we could easily... We could easily spend an hour on this one episode. There's it's so true. much in it. Yeah. So what are you going to give this episode? I mean, I'm going to have to give it. I'm going to do like a 4.7 out of 5. What am I going to do with this rose? <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> we, yeah, it's just like, what am I going to do with this thing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great question. What does anybody? What does any woman do with a stupid thing that a dude gives her because he thinks he's supposed to? And then she just has to walk around with it. Like I said, my girlfriend, let me tell you this quick story. Oh, you saw it on our chat. But basically, I, I wanted to send my girlfriend a bag of flour. Thought it was funny. You know, these are flowers for Valentine's Day. It's a bag of flour. There was a minimum order, so I had to include other stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I'll send candy. Still didn't hit it. I was like, fuck it. I'll just send flowers. <laughs> so she received flowers, a bag of flour, and a bag of candy. She's texting me the whole day. She's like, I'm trying to travel through New York City with five pounds of flour in my backpack. (laughs) (laughs) And I was trying to be nice, you know. (laughs) But, you know, similarly, so what is Angela supposed to do with this lone rose during the three hours that they're waiting for this thing to breeze? Yeah. What you got to do is just like you give it to her in the car so she can put it somewhere. Right. But that's obviously not funny. Or yeah, exactly right. So just, but yeah, lots of jokes in this episode. And something we else we miss is apparently Jan does not like Pam's choice of wine. It's like this right. will just be great to cook with. Yeah, and like Jan's like really good at barely veiling her distaste for um, anybody, basically. Yeah. So um, yeah. So four point seven out of five. What am I gonna do with this rose? All right, I'm I'm similar to you. I'm a four point five out of five. Great episode. Easily a top tenner for the entire series. It's a fantastic episode. Yeah. Uh, so four point five out of five tolls on the body. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm sure I'll hit it again, but I'm pretty sure I gave. Uh, what the hell was that last episode of season three? The job, the interview, one of those? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I gave that the 5.5. I don't know if I'll ever get another 5.5 in the season. You know, as I watch, I'm still thinking about it, but 
this is up there. You know, dinner uh, party is a. I think good. I mean, goodbye, Toby's a pretty good episode. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. All right, and our last episode of the evening. And let me tell you, these these are huge juxtapositions because I'm not a huge fan of this episode. Yeah, this episode just kind of there. Yeah, uh, but it's chair model. Um, episode 10 of season 4 written by BJ Novak, directed by Jeffrey Blitz um, yeah, you know, we're back to a regular schedule, so it also aired in April um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the synopsis here on the office wiki one paragraph, yeah, the synopsis I mean, for dinner party, it's massive right um, <clears throat> so there, there's two plots going on here, is one Michael's trying to find another woman to sleep with right yeah, it's not the loneliness. It's not the horniness. It's the loneliness. Yeah, <laughs> as he says. Uh, it, the second one is that WB Jones const- is doing construction, and the crews are taking up their parking spots, so people have to walk like a mile or something. Right. Yeah, I gotta say. Um, so we'll we'll come back to the chair model bit, but um, I don't understand the office park. Is the office park not just the building? Is it like buildings in that area? Because I don't understand how those five companies work in that building. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, because it could be that there's just, you know, some of them are a couple uh, offices, you know, like I could see like Crest, Tool and Die, like they're their business office is there, but they have like a fabrication plant somewhere else. Mm. So they only need like a room or two. Yeah. And of course, if there's different corporate structures, like you don't need an annex for your HR person and you don't have customer service there. Right. Maybe right. they only do one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause we know Vance has a warehouse there cause they got right. warehouse guys and mm. we know Dunder Mifflin does. Right. WB I, Jones does construction. So they must have storage, but no, somewhere WB around WB Jones, they're getting construction done. WB Jones is heating and air. Heating and air, right. right. Yeah, so presumably so, they might have a warehouse also if they're selling it, or are they just installing Right. I, I, they probably have some. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, sub, like sublets just a piece of the warehouse for, you know, from like Bob Vance or something. Right. Hey, whatever um, disaster kits unlimited is. We yeah. don't really know. Cool guy Paul. Is that his name? Cool guy Paul, yeah. Funny fact, the actor's name is Paul Faust, and his character's name was Paul Faust. Office people do not give a damn what they're calling people. They're like, you're Angela? You're Angela. Yeah, well, a, a lot of people are like that. Like, you know, yeah. Oscar. Is Oscar, Angela, Creed. Yeah, but I feel like because I think their original intention was just to be background characters. Um, so like maybe we never would have heard their names or something, you know? Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They make a big thing about cool guy, Paul, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, cr- the <laughs> crest tool and die is really old and really mean, really old, really mean. That's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the extent of that. We talk about it. We know it's a thing. There's a satellite parking lot. That's a little while away. Michael refuses to call a meeting of the five families, mm-hmm. which is a great name. And then my favorite line in this episode has to be, um, 
I could, but won't, should, but shorn't. <laughs> and Kevin starts talking. He's like, what part of shorn't don't you understand? <laughs> and like how not, how so much not a word that is. It's just great. And he says it's so convincing. Like he knows. Probably my, my favorite part of this entire episode is where Kevin, like it's during the opening. He's like, as God is my witness, I swear I will quit. Yeah. I will quit. I think this season's like, Kevin has a lot of good moments overall. Mm-hmm. I think this season really starts to use Kevin in those like really nice one moments. Because it's really funny in the beginning, right? And he's about right. to cry. And then he has a really good moment at the end when they are able to succeed in what they're trying to do. Right, yeah. He gets emotional and it's like, yes, they succeed. It's just nice to win one. Yeah. So, I mean, that dude, was it Kevin Baumgartner or something like that? He, um, yeah. he does great when they um, give him stuff to do. So good on you, Kev. Um, and then on the flip side, Michael is trolling for Poon, <laughs> to say that as classily as I can. <laughs> Not classy at all. Um, he falls in love with a woman in his chair catalog, which Pam has put in front of his desk so that He'll buy a new chair so she can acquire his old chair so that Creed can get her old chair. So, oh, what'd you think of the chair model? Cute, not cute? Like, she looked like a chair model. (laughs) You know, she kind of looks like, I mean, listen, she is a model. Not taking that away from her at all. Not that she needs my validation at all. Um, But, uh, yeah, she looks like someone who could be like in a Shutterstock picture. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if she was a Shutterstock actress. <laughs> we, <laughs> Just, yeah. One of my friends, this is tan- tangential, one of my friends at work, he was doing like our corporate like like training videos because we mm-hmm. have to do them every year. They're, ter- you know, they're terrible. Right. And so he's like taking screen grabs. And so we got one that we dubbed uh, Terrible Corporate Guy. Right. And we started making memes out of it. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to do with those pictures. Um, and it's great. You should try it if you've never done it before. <laughs> um, so Michael puts out a request from everybody in the office to submit people that he could date. Um, Kevin gives him the phone number for a Wendy. <laughs> and the exchange is like, you know, he finds out it's the restaurant. He's like, you know, well, I want this, you know, and uh, just have it ready. I'll pick it up. She's like, well, it's ready now. He's like, well, put it on the side. And I was just good because, like, that lady has no idea what's happening. And Michael doesn't understand how Wendy's works, apparently. Right. I mean, we, we know he goes to McDonald's a lot, so maybe he just never went to Wendy's. That's fair. I won't he, give that to him, Jacob, because he's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I, uh, I used to work at a Wendy's. Cannot walk into a Wendy's without getting sick to my stomach. <laughs> that is reasonable. Um, there's a great exchange between him and Phyllis where Phyllis says she has a fun, spicy, feisty, feisty, feisty friend who plays softball. And Michael. Professional softball player. Professional softball, right. And I, I think, again, Michael's questions are great. He's like not jolly or sassy, which are, you know, obviously maybe larger people adjectives for their personality. And then for whatever reason, he's like, would she fit in a regular size rowboat without capsizing? (laughs) Okay. So this is something like great. I know the fat softball player is a bit of a stereotype, 
But if you ever watch high level softball, they're all in peak shape. Well, because they all bat. Right, and they all have to but, run. You know, but they're professional athletes. I mean, yeah, you do get, like, I mean, yeah, there are some fat baseball players, but most of those dudes are jacked. Same with, right. like, the softball players. I mean, they're in really good shape. So I, was, I just thought right. that was kind of weird. No, it's fair. Um, and I don't know. I'm Not for nothing, not to take anything away from people. Again, I mean, we're really doing a number on women in this episode, but I don't, I don't know anything about professional softball. So what you're saying sounds right because they are athletes, but I also don't know. Maybe fat people do play sports. Well, I'm just, I mean, just saying, odds are a professional softball player is going to be in shape like a professional athlete because it's exactly what they are. They're professional right. athletes, you know. Right. So Pam does something stupid yeah. and sets Michael up with her landlady. Which I That's do not right. remember her name. I think it starts with an M. Ooh. It is, um, I'm going to find it. Margaret, the landlady? That's right? it, Margaret. And so Michael <clears throat> goes out there. Uh, hey, so he's like, he describes the woman, and he sees this blonde who looks nothing like what he described. He's like, ah, oh, there she is. I'll give her, you know, a nine for looks and a three for being able to describe herself. No, yeah. And then Margaret shows up, who, you know, not unattractive. You know, yeah. seemed to be a very nice person. And, you know, just like, he's just a complete douche nozzle to yeah. this woman who, like, doesn't deserve it. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of times in this series where you really hate Michael. Mm-hmm. But this might be the top. Like, he is such just a terrible person. Uh, no, he's he's bad. I wouldn't say the top, again. Um, did I cut out? You yep. cut out? Yeah, you cut out. Oh. Um, I said he's a murderer, so he's definitely had worse moments. But, um, yeah, no, it's terrible. He's not nice about it. Um, but I was going to say this is um, this scene was pulled very similarly from the UK office where um, Ricky Gervais is on a date with someone who recommends. And there's a really funny exchange in that one where the woman is wearing a necklace and she, her shirt's kind of exposed. So she's got some cleavage going on. And um, Ricky Gervais starts talking about how men are attracted to women's bosoms because they resemble the behind which is how, way back in the day, we used to take our women, like cavemen. And he just keeps going and going, and eventually she's all like, please stop referring to my chest as a butt, and please don't talk about this necklace because like my, pet, my dead mother gave it to me or something like that. And he's all like, well, you shouldn't be putting your dead mom's necklace where you put your bum or something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. Michael doesn't go that far, luckily. <laughs> he's, a lot, he's a lot better just, about it. But. Just calls her the sweet old lady <clears throat> on the bus. Yeah. Another great bit that happens here, too, is um, when he's trying to reveal Jan to uh, Margaret via his phone, he accidentally calls her. Right. So, so we just hear Jan go, Michael? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, and so my flashback to the office, Kevin and Andy, they get 
the five families together and get them to, you know, give them their parking spots back. Yeah. And Andy goes on this speech about how, you know, he's doing it for Joe Sixpack, who's, you know, waking up in a bad apartment and all this other stuff. Like, he's the people he's saying he's doing it for are essentially the people he kicked out of the parking lot. That is exactly right. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, Andy, you're a terrible person. There's like a very, there are very few good people in this episode. No, I mean, my, my, when my girlfriend started watching this show, she had said to me, she doesn't like anybody, even the heroes, you know, Pam is too quiet. Jim is kind of, you know, immature and everything like that. Everybody else is a jerk. No one cares about anybody. And, you know, of course, as you continue on, you get to see these, like, nice moments between people, and then you start to like folks. But coming in at it, like, 10 years later, she's like, all these people are assholes. How can I like anybody? And this episode has a lot of those moments where it's hard to realize who you're supposed to root for. And this episode is also really, uh, like, a small cast, so to speak. Like, Mm. I don't know if Meredith says anything. The only thing we hear out of Creed is that he, is it, he'll get Pam's chair and he'll have two chairs and only one to go. Yeah, so good. And I want to know so badly what his grand plan for these chairs is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's another like slight subplot here where... Um, after this date, Michael comes, says it was terrible. Pam's the worst, yada, yada. Jim comes over and says, hey, you just got kicked out of your apartment. Jokingly. I'm sure Pam still lives somewhere. Right. But um, then they start playing with the idea of them moving in together, and Pam reveals that she doesn't want to move in with anybody unless she's engaged. And we find out that Jim has purchased the engagement ring a week after they started dating and it, reveals to Pam directly that he has every intention to propose to her. Right. And, you know... I don't really 99,000 times out of however many you want, you know, you should never buy a ring that quickly, but you know, they've been friends for so long. And so I can, I can understand where Jim's coming from. Right. I mean, he knows, I mean, not for nothing, but you have revealed many a time, Jacob, your feelings for Jenna Fisher and her eyes. So I'm certain that you would have bought that ring just as quickly. <laughs> Probably, but still. That's fair. Um, that's beside the point here. <clears throat> that's, that's right. So um, Dwight comes in and says, listen, it's got to be the chair model, but she's dead. Right. Um, so they decide to have the closure that Michael needs by going to her gravestone. And they literally dance on her grave. That's right. Singing a terrible version of American Pie. American Pie. Don McLean. Um, Don McLean. Um, let me tell you, that song is like five, six minutes long. It's set, It's actually over seven minutes. 99 cents on iTunes. That's bang for your buck, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to say it's like seven thirty. Yeah, it's it's long, and uh, I don't want to take credit for that joke. My girlfriend's dad made that joke when my girlfriend bought that song. He's like, "Only a dollar? That's a lot of song. That's a good bang for your buck." On the LP, 
It was eight minutes and thirty three seconds. Jeez. I mean, there's not not for nothing, but that doesn't have that song doesn't have a lot going for it. It's a very verse chorus verse chorus kind of song. Right. And I think there's a solo in there somewhere, but like. Well, yeah, there there is a there's a like one or two bridges, and like everything like refers to something. Like it's a very allegorical song. Like whatever. It's long. It's so long. they sing it. It's terrible. They barely know the words, or at least they're not singing at the same parts, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that the chair model uh, died, we could say, from blunt force trauma to the head and blood loss. blood loss. And specifically, she was stoned, crashed her car into an airplane hangar. That takes some doing. Like, <laughs> you've got to real, like, really try to do that. They're generally off the road unless she was, like, at the airport. Well, that, that's why I wonder, too, because I don't really know the airport situation in Pennsylvania, but I like... For example, I work next to uh, Teterboro Airport, which is a small non-international airport where private jets go. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if um, this is, like, similar, you know, not you're, a lot of fences kind of thing. You'd have to figure it's, it's a smaller airport. Right. That's reasonable. Um, so – Office people got their spaces back. Andy's outside breakdancing as everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. Kevin gives a very heartfelt talking head to the camera because Stacy left him and all that jazz. Michael finally has the closure he wanted because he'll just get another catalog next year and look for a new one who isn't dead. Um, and then we follow Jim and Pam as they walk to their car very far away. And uh, Jim drops to his knee. Jacob. He deserved. He deserves to get hit. Like if, if Pam had just like kneed him in the jaw, mm-hmm. perfectly acceptable. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, ultimately, says Pam, "Will you do me the honor in waiting for me while I tie my shoe, or something like that?" Right. Um, yeah. There's another thing. Is this the only time he fake proposes, and he just fake proposes till the rest of the season? Uh, I think there's a couple. Because he does another one where he's like, you'd make me the happiest person if you go got me the sandwich or something like that. Like right. some, like this beverage so I would quench my thirst or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. But, uh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty much it. I mean, we spoke more about it than I thought we were going to. But um, it has no real impact. It sets the stage for Michael to be, you know, single. We know it's for sure. So we see him on the market. So that kind of opens the door for Goodbye Toby when Holly Flax finally shows up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think after dinner party, they had to come with something lighter. Right. Something that was kind of less demanding. Like, I mean, because after this is um, Night Out, which is kind of back into some more intense stuff because we find out, spoiler alert, that Ryan has a drug problem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sort of with the idea that production code is when it was made, sort of. Right. Like, actually, season four goes com- completely in order. So mm. you, so it kind of would seem that they knew they had this, like, really big thing going on. Um, and also, Dinner Party was the first episode back after that super long break. So I think they probably also wanted to, like, right. hit, hit you hard. Uh, so what are you going to rate this episode? Yeah, I got to give it like 
2.5 out of 5 um, blood losses. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in similar vein. It's okay. It's just kind of there. Um, so I gave it a 2 out of 5 passionately. Because Michael's all about passionately. Like he says like three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> He's like... I'm looking for passionate affair, not companionship, which is right. like just ass backwards, but it's fine. Go for it, Michael. You do you, bro. You do you, yeah. Uh, so next episode, we will um, finish out the season. So it actually kind of worked out that we... Uh, yeah, we kind of this, are doing the shorter bits, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this, so if you're... We find, you can find us on the Great Scott subreddit. And so we will be giving our top three episodes of the season next episode. So mm-hmm. we would like to hear about your top three favorite episodes for season four and why. Yeah. Give us a little explanation, you know, yeah, what, what, what you're interested in. It'll be fun to wrap it up. And then we're jumping deeper into the abyss. That is what I think the office when it's not fun anymore. Even though watching in this context, I've been enjoying everything. But I've been pretty adamant prior to us doing great, Scott, that after season three, The Office is terrible. But <laughs> it's it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. I'm just one of those guys. Season, um, also, yeah. Well, like season five is – it's better with time. And I, I think I think like you've said before, when you're not having to go um, week to week – and just being able to binge right. it. Yeah. Every, it, the first time I watched, when I watched season five the first time, I hated it. But now that like I've watched it a few times, I really enjoy it. I, there's some really good episodes in here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, really, the show is it's good. And I mean, I, I've recently watched the finale again, which is going to like, we should totally dedicate like a single episode to that since it's like 80 hours long. But um, the show does a really good job wrapping up even though on its way to the finale, it kind of goes in weird places. Um, but yeah, you never, it, the, I get in, in the interim, the show takes some turns in between, but I wasn't a hundred percent on when I was originally watching it. And it was hard for me to get out of that mind frame, even having it on like Netflix or DVD, because I was like, I remember hating this episode. And I just sit there. I was like, yup, stupid, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really, it's really, I mean, it's a great show. That's why we're doing a podcast about it and all that jazz. Um, before we go, I do want to mention that we do have a Patreon. So visit www.patreon.com slash broken jars. Yes. And we would like to thank the two people who have already given us money. Um, And one of the reward tiers for the Patreon, we only have two tiers. So if you want to give more, great. But it's $1 and $2 for it. So the $2 tier is you get to join us in our private Discord channel. So if you want to talk with us, Give us two bucks a month. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, the the whole network's on there all the time, so right. talk to me and Jacob while we're at work. You could talk to some of the Dresden folks. Uh, you could talk to uh, the Shylock's guy. You could talk to uh, everybody. It's great. It's good fun. We're sharing fun articles in there, and then, you know, you could ask us some questions and stuff about, you know, there was some really good Dresden conversations going on um, in there because the two folks who have grace that's with their patronage uh our dresden files listeners so um and honestly on the other hand i'm not part of dresden files so let's let's do some great scott love in this channel you know right yeah 
<clears throat> Plug down all with the Jim, things. Yeah, down with Jim Butcher, up with uh, <laughs> all the people. <laughs> all the other people, yeah. Uh, you can reach us uh, at Broken Jars Pod on Twitter, Broken Jars Broadcasting at gmail.com, r slash Dunder Mifflin on Reddit. Yep. I'm at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty active on there. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think we have sufficiently plugged everything. That is it. So if you've if you've stuck with us this far, thank you very much for tuning in again. We will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.